This is Masters Cast, the first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number 76 for Sunday, December 5th, 2021. Being a champion is about defending those who can't defend themselves. Hey everyone, thanks for downloading. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratosmacker. And I'm Justin Lioncourt, also known as Lioncourt. We just want to warn you uh, off the bat that um, since uh, our recording here for our review of Masters of the Universe Revelation Part 2 uh, was delayed uh, due to the holidays, we're going to assume that everyone has already uh, digested and watched the show like we have. Um, so this is going to be an entire spoil f- spoiler-filled uh, uh, review. So if you haven't watched Part 2, uh, go ahead and watch that first before uh, getting spoiled um, by us. And, we'll still uh, be here. Yeah, we'll still be here on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. We recommend subscribing and then you'll get our random dropping of episodes without <laughs> missing any of them. Uh, <laughs> 76 of them over the last 15, 16 years now. Yes. And we still have fun with them. Isn't that awesome? We do. Yes. And we're going to have some fun today, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I, before we start, I would just like to say that whether you liked Masters of the Universe Revelation Part 2 or you didn't like it, you're allowed to have uh, your own opinion. So if you loved it, that's awesome, right? I'm happy yeah. for you. If you didn't like it, um, you know, I understand why you might be disappointed. Um so but that's okay too like it's not the end of the world um but at the end of the day we all like many different uh aspects of masters of the universe and um i'm sure we will like and dislike many things going forward (laughs) (laughs) that's a very well put i just i just want to say that have you considered a, a career as a diplomat? <laughs> yeah. I I just want I just want to say that because um, I don't want because I have a feeling I know how our review is going to go, and I don't want to be lumped in with a certain kind of group of people that would have been kind of like the part one review backlash. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like ours is still coming from a place of love, uh, mm-hmm. and we are obviously absolutely huge fans of um, He-Man and She-Ra. So, you know, just take it with what you will, and uh, that way. Or, and with saying that, and I'm losing my voice. Um, I would like to pass it on to someone else so I can get my voice back, and so that I'm not the primary target of. of <laughs> <review>. <laughs> Should we begin with uh, general thoughts on part two yes, overall, please. and then we yes. can get into the nitty gritty? Yeah, so. give it like overall. Don't you don't have to name any specifics. We'll we'll kind of go through the the storyline, I guess, after we give our, our first thoughts. Who wants to go first? I think you should this time, Josh, since you're the odd one out. 
<laughs> Thanks. Okay. Right. That was all a spoiler for the podcast, not even for the show. Oh, no. Talking about. <laughs> so, uh, part two, I think, uh, suffers from some problems. Uh, I think they had a decent story uh, to tell and not enough time to tell it in and were too enthusiastic to include things that uh, were superfluous, sort of like uh, empty calories, right? We're putting these in for this fan group or we're putting this in for that fan group, that sliver of the fan base, this sliver of the fan base, and ended up with too much crammed into too little time. That said, I think the story is fine um it, but was rushed and need needed more time to breathe um but it wasn't i wouldn't say it was terrible i just think the execution sh could have and should have been better katie oh, um that was actually i agreed with that more than i thought i would um <laughs> <laughs> yeah because okay obviously this this group of how many of uh, five um we started talking the day that the show came out um some of us were you know they started first thing in the morning like stayed up or got up really early to start binging the show some of us it was later in the day etc but as we started watching it we started talking and we were throwing ideas and opinions back and forth throughout um but now we've had some more time to sit with it and Earlier on, Josh was very more, much more excited, I, I would say. And now he's, I'm not saying he's not excited at all um, about the show, but I think he's, with time, he's tempered that a little bit. And um, gosh, what do I want to say apart from what Josh did? Uh, there were some cringeworthy things to me. Um, I will say that. I don't think the entire part two was cringy. Uh, I don't think I, I'm a little conflicted because like John said, we are all massive humanity fans. We want, we went into this wanting to love it. Obviously um, we found a lot of good things about part one to enjoy. So we expected that we were going to find as many things to love about part two. And I think I can safely say for the rest of us, we didn't, unfortunately. Um, so I don't hate it, but I, I definitely don't love it. Um, and I, I have watched it two and a half times now. Uh, I watched it once by myself. Then I started rewatching it. I got through, I think, episode three. And then my husband was like, wait, I haven't even seen it yet. And I'm like, oh, right. Okay, let's start over again. So I watched all five with him. Um, so I've, I've given it a fair shake and I'm still not loving it. But uh, I'll, let's, I'll let somebody else speak. <laughs> I don't know what else to say right now until we get into the spoilers. All right, Martin. Um, hmm. Hmm. Um, <laughs> the, during my first watch through of this, um, I can accurately sum up my very harsh um, critique of the show um, by going instant trash. And 
on my second watch through i was much more forgiving of it um and i i found moments of brilliance amongst what i thought was an absolute mess (laughs) (laughs) um of a season um coming as somebody who really enjoyed the first part thought it was very well structured uh thought it gave us like interesting things we hadn't had before uh i i felt this was just um a cacophony of stuff happening all the time that wasn't very well explained or developed or foreshadowed perhaps although things were foreshadowed but there was no satisfying payoff and i think that probably sums it up best for me everything that was set up nicely in part one failed to pay off in part two for the most part for me um and i was quite let down by it um but there was still good stuff in there here and there (laughs) (laughs) yes the animation is beautiful i'll end on that positive note and the music is amazing (laughs) yes leanne um, yes, yeah, so I was going to say, I mean, I agree with everybody. Um, I thought, uh, I think having watched part two, it made me like part one more mm-hmm. because I felt like structurally um, the story made more sense in part one, whereas in part two, I felt like it was just all over the place. It was trying to be too many things at once, I think. Um, but I will say that the animation was gorgeous. I um, I really liked some of the designs that we got, like uh, Teela Sorceress and um, Hevelin. <laughs> um, so there were, I mean, there, you know, there were good, there were good things design wise and things like that. Powerhouse Animation did a fantastic job. The music was good. Uh, Story wise, um, you know, not so much. <laughs> um, and also. Uh, some random chick with a pitchfork got more lines than Stratos did. Um, (laughs) And basically, if you saw the trailer, you saw the entirety of Stratos in the series, which I don't know, maybe it's a good thing in the end. I don't know. (laughs) So, yeah. He's still alive anyway. That's true. That's very true. Watch out for season two, though, Leanne. You might have a burial. Um... (laughs) So, oh, that means I go last. That's still a target. I should have put myself in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) I have to be blunt with this just because I am such a fan. Um, This was terribly difficult for me to sit through. Um, I was actually, I I think all of you have a a more favorable opinion of part two than I do. Um, I can't remember a time when I've had difficulty getting through any type of piece of um, He-Man or She-Ra media, we get such, we don't get a lot of it, right? And mm-hmm. so it, it was a weird, it was one of the weirdest feelings because I just was like, this is wrong. Um, and I don't mean that to sound mean, I had, you know, what I feel, I guess, are solid reasons. And two, one of the big things is characterization for me. And I thought not only the characterization of Adam and He-Man was completely incorrect in 
part two compared to part one, right? I I think Mm -hmm. there was a clear difference in how they handled things um, in part one versus part two. And also the characterization of the power of Grayskull, um, I thought was completely off. And I will explain that deeper in the, um, in the show, but I, I was actively sitting on my couch and I, I got up early as Katie knows to watch it. And we were all, you know, texting back and forth in our group chat. And I, it's even hard for me to describe now, re-describe that, that the feeling, um, my only positives I can say is that the music is good and the animation is at, at to this point, the most lush and beautiful, media display of masters of the universe characters that i've ever seen so so kudos to powerhouse animation (laughs) can i uh i I want to explore something you said yes for a second um from two angles so let me let me ask from both angles and then you can answer however you want so i'm wondering as you're you're talking um two things one if do you think if this hadn't had the CGI show sandwiched in between that you liked a lot, mm-hmm. do you think this might have landed a little bit differently for you? Not a lot differently, but like a little bit differently. You might have been a little bit more forgiving because you didn't have this other show that you really enjoyed stuck in the middle. And secondly, I can definitely empathize to some degree uh, about the characterization part of it, because that is sort of how I felt about certain characters in the CGI show, particularly Duncan, uh, and the fact that they're all much, much younger than we've ever seen them portrayed and stuff. So that that didn't appeal to me watching the CGI show. So that part of it, um, I can I can empathize with you on to some degree, and I'm wondering if this not being a or if this hadn't been billed as a a successor to filmation or whatever if you might have been more forgiving of some of some of those characterizations that did not uh set well with you no i can i can i hadn't thought of that and i do see your point because um I, you know part one of revelation i wasn't like it, you know, super ecstatic about it, but it certainly was better than, you know, part two, but like I, I did watch it several times and I didn't necessarily hate it. Um, then the CGI show came out and that was like a huge, like dopamine rush. Right. I was like, this is amazing. And I looked at that show as its own entity, right? It's not a sequel to anything. It's not a, a reboot in the sense of Mike Young's show rebooting kind of the classic story that we know. Um, whereas, and I, you know, people can yell at me and say that they never said this was specifically a direct sequel to Filmation, but I mean, check it at the door. You can call it a spiritual sequel or whatever Kevin Smith's more recent retroactive tweet was about it. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I don't I don't care. It was billed that way. They certainly inserted enough oddly placed filmation type lines in part two as well, I thought, that were completely out of place. Um, so Josh, I don't know. I I could go 50-50 on it. Um, I don't think that I, I still think I would have greatly despised part two 
even without the CGI show, would I have disliked it as much? My gut says yes, but I mean, it's hard for me to remove the, yeah, yeah, it's hard for me to remove the excitement of the CGI show. And I mean, like, cause if you would say to me, what do you want more revelation or more CGI show? I, I'm going to say I want season two of the CGI show, yeah. um, which I'm dreading, <laughs> which you're dreading. And it was that's so, what I was yeah. trying to say, like in my little yeah. summary, uh, th- I was sitting on the couch watching part two and I'm like, oh, this must have been how Josh felt <laughs> during the CGI show, because I've never even though, you know, I've had my gripes with things like, you know, King Grayskull and in, in Mike Young Productions and stuff. I just had that. I, this is going to sound so dramatic that uh, I should be made fun of. <laughs> I just <laughs> like felt, I just felt like, like th- my soul left my body while I was watching this show. It was like, I felt empty and it just kept doing things that I was just like, Oh no. Why? Oh, they're going to do that now. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, and then I was like, like, you must keep watching. It will get better. And I, again, I don't say this to be mean. This is just my, this was my genuine reaction as a fan since birth. Uh, you know, I can't help it. <laughs> I, I, I can't help but feel like part one and part two were, of Revelation were done almost completely independent of each other because they don't even feel like part of the same show. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, structurally, especially, right? Yeah, I mean, I said something very similar, which was um, that it, it felt to me a bit like what happened with the rise of Skywalker in response to The Last Jedi, almost like someone had seen the first part and gone, oh, the, the fans don't like Taylor. We got we to get Taylor out of there. You got to put more characters in. Get Maybe more about Skeletor. Turn him and enter the Hulk. That's what they want. They don't want the Taylor stuff. And like someone just came in and just completely, like whatever they had planned for part two, wrote that out. Like people want more of the, the, the Game of Thrones woman. Put her in it more. And they just... Like, it completely changed what they actually had planned. When is it? I mean, tried you desperately know, to fix it. I we say. know, right, that it was all already written right before that backlash came out, yes. and, and half of it was, you know, more than half of it was already animated. But it feels like a total different but group it does. of people were, it does. were working on part yeah. two because part one is much more coherent, much more satisfying, much more true to the characters. Even though there there were things you could quibble with, right? Like, but it was a much more solid piece of storytelling and i i if this had been a i i i am gonna i i mentioned this in our chat and i'm gonna mention it here i think if this had been like a 13 15 episode long uh season instead of 10 and we still had the same first five and then the last five were spread out over 10 10 episodes i think you could have actually gotten a really decent story out of this and and dealt with a lot of the problems because I, I think a lot of a lot of the characterization problems that you see in part two that you specifically John mm-hmm. uh, see in part two I think a lot of those are a direct result of they didn't have time to do it the way they should have 
They were okay. cramming so much in here. It was just like, well, we don't really have time to deal with this the way that it ought to be dealt with from a storytelling perspective and a characterization perspective. We got to get on to the next thing because we've only got 20 minutes an episode to finish this this up. And that, that to me, that was one of it, it, it. No, not one of. That was part two's biggest failing. And I like it overall. I like it a lot more than anybody else here, I think. But its biggest failing was trying to cram so much into so little time. Well, let me piggyback off that and use an example to agree with you. Um, my So I was so excited and this was in the, f- the first episode of part two. So I, I, it's a good place to start. Um, when, you know, Prince Adam says that he has the spark, right? So he can actually harness the cast, uh, the power of Grayskull without the use of the sword of power. Okay. So I was all on board for that. I thought this was amazing. And I thought now I'm going to get that explanation, right? Of why a Adam decided to be Adam um, in preternia, right? Instead of being his powered up form, like all the other people. Um, and then B, I, you know, I would actually get that explanation as to why there is something special you know, in the destiny, the DNA, the whatever, the metachlorian counts. Um, in, <laughs> oh God, don't go right, there. In, in Prince Adam, right? Because yeah. the opening title sequence even pumps up Prince Adam. And, and you know, whatever, Tila was the main character of part one. It wasn't Prince Adam, you know what I mean? And people can tell me till they're red in the face that Masters of the Universe is, you know, a multi-character property. I don't disagree with you and I do want to see Tila become the sorceress. I want to see these things, but they are not the primary characters of Masters of the Universe, which are He-Man and Skeletor. Can't change my mind on that. Uh, so the fact that they're sidelined for the secondary stories, I think was was the big problem because you have Prince Adam, who is the main character or if or one of the two main characters, if you will, of Masters of the Universe side of things, right? Um, and you don't even explain to me why he is the spark. And I do not agree with answers like, that's why you're going to want a season two. No, because none of this in part two made sense to me when he becomes, you know, savage He-Man and starts killing people, which is absolutely out of character for He-Man not Mm -hmm. out of character probably for someone like the hulk which was this was just another problem of all these direct ripoffs hulk lord of the rings like how 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 many different marvel or fantasy properties can i throw into a bucket and disperse to masters of the universe characters um we'll get into that later when we talked about orko but um (laughs) uh so uh, back to josh's point if they would have explained taken the time to explain my prince adam is the spark i would have been loving that even if i didn't necessarily agree with why he was the spark if that makes sense at least i would have gotten that explanation as why why is he the spark why i i've been given no 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 information to this and And you know never figures it out he goes looking and he never discovers why he can do that yeah and it's just like 
you know that and and oh, oh take over take over take over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a conflict here i think too um that goes back to where we started we're going full circle and we've only been going for 10 minutes but <laughs> i'm going to i'm going to uh, bring this back around bring it back also, josh yeah. yeah i'm going to bring this back around to the problem with this being uh billed as a spiritual succe- sequel or whatever to the 80s cartoon because one way or the other right like you they're they're trying to have it both ways like this feels like this should have worked better as a uh as its own entity um and yet i think that the i think their argument i don't i'm not speaking for them but i think what they would tell you to the to this kind of i'm playing devil's advocate here Mm -hmm. a little bit is what i think they would say is well you already know all that because you know the 80s show but this show departs in a lot of ways from the 80s show it isn't really a sequel so it's like they couldn't decide what they wanted this show to be and um so certain aspects like what you're talking about come into come into conflict yeah yeah um i'll actually really quick um my friend who was watching it um he said he said i don't know who this show was for it wasn't for us old school fans and it wasn't for a new audience either Mm. i was just thinking valiant it's like they they didn't know what they wanted to do with it in the end i felt like and again this comes back to you know the first part being more structured um, whereas this was just kind of all over the place. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was, I just thought it was a mess overall. And I like, wonder, Oh, sorry. Um, real quick. I was just curious because we know that a hardcore fan is one of the producers on this show. Um, so and I'm talking about Ted. We love you, Ted. This is nothing against you, my baby. I love you so much. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I just called you a baby. Whatever. <laughs> baby honey child. Term of endearment. Term it of is. endearment. It's just to totally show that we're not trying, we're not hating on Ted or even, you know, Kevin Smith. I mean, yeah. it's um, just we don't necessarily always agree with the creative ideas. Just like, look, Josh doesn't like the CGI show, but I like that characterization, right? We're right. both we obviously fans. Hate, it's a valid opinion. And we all hate the Star Wars prequels, right? <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yes. there's always something in every property. Well, I kind of like attack of the clones though wasn't that a prequel yes i like prequels (laughs) you're a millennial you're excused (laughs) i I was of age at the time (laughs) yes (laughs) but what i I was gonna say wait wait uh, real quick um what i was gonna say about that and the people we know that worked on it or the person that we that we know that worked on it is a very hardcore fan a huge collector has been in the fandom since childhood knows all the different canons i feel like this was trying they tried to make it for that type of hardcore fan and even us who have been podcasting about it for over 15 years and you know i'm i'm not a collector anymore i just I ran out of room. I collected a bunch of the classics figures and I still collect like the Dark Horse books and a few things that come out here and there. But I just, I had to choose between Rainbow Bright and He-Man and I couldn't have them both. So I had to just stop with He-Man, unfortunately. But I feel like this is more for the 
super hardcore will spend all their money on all the toys and read all the comics and know all of the original canon <clears throat> excuse me all the extra canonical canon like all of the comics that have ever been released they there was so much in here that I just didn't get. And then y'all are telling me, oh, yeah, it's explained in the comic. And I'm like, wait, I shouldn't have to read a comic to understand a TV show. Like, yeah. I've never seen a show or a movie where I came away thinking or I came away just totally confused. And somebody was like, oh, if you just read the comic, you would get it. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, That should never be a prerequisite for enjoying a piece of visual media in my opinion like a book series that's one thing like you can't say oh just watch the harry potter movies they're the same as reading the books no they're not but that is a completely different thing that is a um i can't think of the word all of a sudden well but the harry potter movies like as you know i've only read half of the books right yeah so but the, i understand everything for the most part you know going on in the movies yeah whereas you're well you're like like you're saying, you had questions about, say, Evil Lynn. You would yes. have learned that in the prequel comic, um, but you shouldn't <laughs> right. have had to. Like again, it goes to Josh saying about the not enough episodes to develop this because you know having two like sentences about how Evil Lynn's parents wanted to eat her when she was a child. I mean, just goes over like what now? What they wanted to eat her? I was so confused. Like, I was yeah. literally texting y'all like seriously. Her yeah, and then we're like, turned well, into cannibals, and that's her backstory. Also, yeah. uh, uh, oh, that was so bad because it, I loved what they did with her origin in the Mike Young show. Yes. And so to turn it into her parents wanted to eat her, so she ran away <laughs> and yeah. met up with Skeletor and somehow had magic and stuff. Like, yeah, it just made no sense. And I and I have not read the comic, so I don't know how it expands on that, but. Well, the comic even ruins the surprise of the Horde because you Hordak and, and Horde members and, you know, Skeletor with the Horde belt on, that's all in the prequel comic, which came out, the bulk of it came out before Bright Park 2. So it even kind of destroyed any type of little <gasps> when in the episode Skeletor walks through that portal, you know, and he has the Horde symbol on his belt. Mm -hmm. Um Duh, I knew that was going to happen because I read the comic. <laughs> and I saw it and was just like, what the heck? Like, are they going to yeah. explain this? And then they did it. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, I did like his design, though. Oh, yes. yeah. Agreed. That was cool. Yeah. I, I was with Skeletor great. like 100% throughout the entirety of this uh, <laughs> series. I was like, I think he's getting, you know, a pretty bad rap here because <laughs> there's a bit where like Evelyn is like, I've always hated Skeletor and I've wanted to kill him for 20 years. And I was like, but why? <laughs> because he's not really done anything that bad. And there's a bit in the show where even Skeletor himself is like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> I was like, I'm with you. I think this is like very unfair on Skeletor. Well, jumping around, then this is fine. I think I love that example. I'm the I'm the same way. I think we mentioned this in our pre pre chat before the thing. What? Why? Why isn't Skeletor redeemed at the end of part two? Why is Evil Lynn redeemed? Can someone explain to me why the lady that um, you know grabs all the power? kills off everybody in heaven is about to destroy the entire world okay or not the world the entire universe just because she's sad 
she's a shad. Um, you know, she's going to destroy everything. And she gets redeemed at the end. She has done no redeeming qualities, except she decides to what? Pull Orko back from being sucked back into the vortex. Yeah. And how? And, and it's like, it, well, yeah. yeah, that doesn't make sense. But also, I can't remember <laughs> who mentioned it in the chat. But if if she had like switched places with Orko and yeah. sacrificed herself, that would have been fine. Yes. Right. But instead, you know, she just holds on to his hand and somehow that keeps him from drifting back, you know, to Subternia right. or whatever. And she was and- totally not on Subternia. So we know that wasn't like the switcheroo. Yeah. So can right. I can I throw a different interpretation out? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to throw a different interpretation out. And then I, I, I just uh, want to also mention that I need to go back. I want to circle back to Savage E-Man before. Oh, yes, please. Because I got more That's on right. that, too. I, yeah, yeah I do, too. too. So, but I will say this as far as uh, answering this question. I think, I think um, the, the, the situation with Evelyn, I believe that in asking that question we're either and again i think this is a a problem with the too rushed storytelling but i think that her redemption is not in her saving orco or whatever i think what we're supposed to take away and which is not delivered well to us not executed well is her redemption is that final scene where she gives up her magic, presumably on Trala, which apparently is not visually uh, obvious that she is on Trala, but that is indeed where she's supposed to be, according to the audio description and several things I've read online now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe her redemption is supposed to come in the scene that she is giving up her power, realizing I did not use this the way I was supposed to. I'm going to start over. Not in the she's redeemed before that. Um, oh, I agree. Or whatever. But it's all because it's all so uh, rushed and they're they're cramming so much into those last, especially those last like five or ten minutes of the final episode. <laughs> like there's so much that happens in there that here's I my think p- it loses its its. Uh, My problem, though, with that is if I had a gun and I murdered a whole bunch of people and then I turn to the cops and I say, I put my gun down and I say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I've learned the error of my ways. Please send me to a trawl in paradise. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? No, I'm going to still go to trial for murder. And then I'm going to probably get either like the death penalty or I'm going to be in prison forever. Right. I would I would have rather let Skeletor go have a beach vacation on Trolla. I mean, he killed the sorceress. (laughs) She's old already. And then all he wanted to do was get the power kill He-Man. And even they killed Eva his Lynn. cat. Yeah, and Eva <laughs> so, here, yeah. Okay, so here's a question, though. Oh, that um, was the worst. So maybe, maybe I'm not remembering or missed something or something, but I don't believe any did. I mean, what did the Internian law enforcement, <laughs> so to speak? Uh-huh. I mean, no one was like, hey, Evelyn, we forgive you. You're off scot free. Like, she just takes off, doesn't she? And well, then I on- fault the characterization of Tila 
because she was the one trying to rope Evelyn in uh, during that whole scene. And given um, another complaint of mine in part two is that Tila gets everything she wants. She just whines about it and she gets it, including changing the entire rules of how one becomes the sorceress of Grayskull just to fit her will. Um, oh, oh, I'm don't even get me started on the last scene of the thing when she's talking about Prince Adam, because I'm just gonna have to leave. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so we're jumping around so much, I know, but you need to keep some, yeah, Josh, take back over because I'm almost gonna get mad. And I, I actually, I, I, I will say this, <laughs> and I'd like to, I'd actually like to hear everyone's take on that uh point though with Tila in it throughout this uh part because. Um, I hear what you're saying about um, her, uh, you know. Well, doesn't it call back to you and being able there's to... no no development on this? Like, right. she doesn't right. how she just starts using her magic? Like, I think who Martin didn't you say something about Star Wars? It's kind of like how Ray it, it's exactly, in Star Wars, right? It's yes. just like oh, I'm a super Jedi in the first movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't believe this I was did a say that. I agree and with it. I, I love the new. <laughs> I I actually really like the new trilogy of Star Wars and Ray in particular. But uh, you know, my friend Eric was talking to me about about this show. He actually really liked part two. He's like, I don't know what your guys' problem is. You're overthinking everything. And he also thought we watched it too fast. He's like, uh, he spread it out over a week and a half watching like an episode every day or two and ended up really liking it. He's like, maybe if you'd spread it out or something. I was like, I don't think that would have changed Nobody much. Nobody does but... that these days. Yeah, well, it's a thing. But anyway, anyway, um, it's a it's a common thread in storytelling now where it's just like, Here's the here's our main character. We need to keep the story moving, so we don't have time to let them struggle over gaining their power and so on and so forth. Which I don't agree with because I think that's actually the most interesting part of these kinds of stories, mm. and would have liked to have seen Tila struggle with that. But I, that is the direction that a lot of uh, fantasy storytelling has gone, particularly on film, like for TV movies. I think in the last decade ish, so. I'm not sure we can really fault the show for being following the trend of modern fantasy per se. Um, but, it, but it also comes down to the same thing. That's going to be my theme and my mantra through this entire podcast, I think is there just wasn't time to do it the way they should have like what I, they, with, with the, what they crammed in there. So, uh, I I want to connect this to the Savage Human thing, but before I do that, I want to hear everybody else's take on the Tila thing because I actually really liked the fact that it fits with her character that she is bucking the system. She is going against what she's supposed to be doing to become the sorceress and going her own way and having that strong will and hot-headed, you know, I'm doing this my way. Like that's what Tila's always been. So that part of it I think actually does fit with her character it's just not fleshed out the way it should have been just real quick i 100 percent agree with that it's in character for her but it's not fleshed out that's what annoyed me with it because it was just yes. like oh i'm not gonna get stuck in this castle for the rest of my life i just get to <laughs> i'm just gonna tell the the powers of the elders that you know i'm not doing that but you're still gonna make me the most apparently powerful being in the universe now and i can leave the castle Oh, it's, it's the greatest life for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was um, the whole part one to me was building up to Tila becoming the sorceress. Mm -hmm. And part two 
had maybe two scenes of Tila like, 10 minutes max accepting yeah <laughs> that she was going to be the sorceress one of which was when she walked into a pool and the other one was when she healed Adam randomly she knew she had some sort of magical power so I can kind of accept that she was just like well I'll give it a go but the next time that we even discussed Tila um, like becoming a magical user was when she walked into that pool and she just became the sorceress and I was like oh we're done with that then <laughs> we've all just <laughs> accepted this oh and she knew that the sorceress was her mother all along that's fine okay that, well we've spared ourselves a, a revelation scene there haven't we where is the revelation <laughs> it is nowhere well, I guess we've all spared her like freaking out all over again over everything yeah that's true yeah, I didn't want true. another dramatic scene of um, everyone bursting into tears <laughs> and yeah. King Randall I mean, ordering I people's executions oh, yes, <laughs> right? yes I mean I I could buy her at the end you know being able to leave the castle because I just feel like that's her testing the boundaries and that does fit in with her character um, but it's like what you guys said it's just not it flushed out enough uh, but one thing I will say I did like in this was that they made man at arms her actual father yeah oh i um, love that yeah yeah i was really glad they did that because that's something i always wanted in the mike young show and you know it was always hinted that fisto was her father and i i didn't like that you didn't like the did you not enjoy fisto's role in this series? <laughs> oh where he wanted to fist uh Skeletor? <laughs> yeah. yeah that was that was great was this explained in the prequel comics? Do the prequel <laughs> comics feature Fisto fisting people? <laughs> yeah, maybe that was more fleshed out in the comics. And, uh, you know. Well, speaking it, I of... I mean, well, ahead. okay, okay. About the, some of the dialogue, right? Yeah. Um, like that, or, you know, some of it, obviously, they were trying to do more of the, the jokey, you know, filmation type stuff. But it's kind of like you guys said they were trying to have it both ways because it's like you're trying to fit that stuff in meanwhile savage he-man has just like ripped apart these creatures and there's blood dripping from his hands and then you've got evil lynn like straddling skeletor and like making out with his teeth <laughs> so, to try and get him to you know get it on with her so he'll power down and she can like manipulate him and it's just like i mean that scene i never ever needed to see something like that yeah like never um so it's i don't know it was just a mishmash all right so that is a perfect segue to what i want to say about savage human and i know john's got stuff to say about savage human <laughs> as well i'll try uh, to contain the volume of my voice this time though i think i got a little overexcited <laughs> in the previous conversation <laughs> okay so I keep talking about this, that they cram too much into too few episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, one of those, uh, one of the things that made that a problem is the Savage Human subplot, because it is pointless. I understand the the uh, references that they're, they're trying to do, the kind of the biblical thing. Don't get too much power and blah, blah, blah. Will, you know, to, uh, infinite power corrupts infinitely or whatever. Like, I get what they were going for. But A, we didn't have enough time for the story already that they were trying to tell. And B, it does not advance the story in literally just about any way. 
Um, yeah. It the only the only purpose it served, and it did not be the need to be the thing that served this purpose was the revelation to Randor that Adam is still alive. Okay, great. We could have done that like fifty other ways. It didn't need to be Savage He Man. And Savage He Man basically takes up the entirety of episode two of part two it's it's the, that is that entire episode basically with a couple of other scenes thrown in and it is it doesn't advance the story of what's going on with skeletor now that he's got the power it doesn't advance the story of evil in you know making her way toward deciding to betray skeletor it doesn't advance anything and it's basically never referenced again in the after episode two, except for Adam saying, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. It didn't need to be there. It serves no story purpose whatsoever. It was literally just here as fan service to a tiny sliver of the fans that like the savage he-man barbarian he-man con concept which is n- by no means a majority of fans at all and, and that's just from the mini comics right right basically yes yeah that, and that's exactly what i was thinking it was just yeah. this tiny portion of the fandom who's even going to get that reference and understand it and yeah. even then like i got the reference but i still was just like and why are we spending this much time on it yeah it's just completely completely meaningless and compounded by what john was talking about earlier with the fact that oh adam has the spark of course we're never going to mention that again either and it's like sure we can sit here and rationalize it away to some degree it's like i i was saying i think the idea here is supposed to be you know castle grayskull from at least the earliest days was supposed to be the all the power in the universe if you have control over gray skull and the power hidden therein blah 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 okay great and anyone can control that power otherwise there's no point for skeletor trying to obtain it or hordak trying to obtain it and all these other people you know villains that have tried to obtain it over the years so you kind of have to make it so anybody can control it the spark thing you could kind of rationalize away and say okay well you know it's it's adams and adora's destiny to control the power because they are the best caretakers and defenders of that power but they're not the only ones who can like so you can like sit there and rationalize till you're blue in the face basically but they didn't even touch on it again it was like oh i have the spark i can turn into this thing oh man that was a mistake never doing that again okay we just (laughs) wasted 25 minutes of a very limited time span and we've got tons more story that we're going to now try to cram into the next three episodes before the the season's over like this didn't need to be there and i think everything else that we're going to quibble about and argue about and criticize that happens in particularly episodes eight nine and ten would all have been better if it had been expanded on uh fleshed out better and just get rid of the savage human story because it does not need to be there also the in conjunction with that the uh the weird zombie ram headed thing that skeletor does in episode one of part two Mm -hmm. it's never really dealt with again it's never mentioned it's like why is this here this is just a superfluous storyline that is not getting anywhere and only makes any modicum of sense whatsoever if you have read 
the uh, the prequel comics again, like we were talking about with the Evelyn thing, because this is part of the story that Skeletor makes up in those. And it's like, I don't understand oh. why this is even uh, being in here. And we only get Clamchamp on screen for five seconds before he's dead. And it's like, he's a character we've never seen animated that I actually, I really like Clamchamp. I like the idea of his character. And we're finally going to get him on screen for the first time ever in 40 years of the franchise and it's two seconds for a storyline that doesn't matter it's very very frustrating so episodes one and two i feel like you could almost take every almost everything that happened in those scrap it and expand the rest of the story and you've got a much better part two so anyway i'm gonna step off my my soapbox and let somebody else talk now yeah let me let me just uh, so with the clamp champ thing, because I want to make sure I, I mention this. It, this all Savage He Man and the clamp champ uh, slash Fisto death scene. All of this to me plays into my two major problems with part two, which I mentioned earlier, which are the characterization of Prince Adam and the characterization of the power of Grayskull. So Savage He Man completely contradicts the idea of the he-man that i grew up with right and as far as i know this was an adult show aimed at me um Mm -hmm. and he-man doesn't kill okay so i don't care if he's savage he-man i never needed to see he-man with blood i think leanne mentioned dripping off of his hands um i agree with you josh it was a complete fan service for no other point than to a we can sell a savage he-man toy um and b there is a small um sect in the fandom that loves those first few mini comics where he-man is a bit more conan um the barbarian than the he-man that the media really knows and it was just completely out of character i did and then and then they didn't even do it uniquely all they did was use a you know bruce banner hulk situation and then replace king randor with um black widow from the avengers movies talking him back down into adam (laughs) uh like i just thought that was completely Pointless. Again, if it was explained, the spark part, maybe I could handle the savage He-Man portion of it, but no. Um, Back to the characterization of Adam during the, when Fisto and Clampchamp start to become the, you know, zombies. Um, And again, is this happening because The Walking Dead is really popular? I don't know. Um, (laughs) But um, Adam takes absolutely no time to really assess the situation and quickly states that, well, their souls are already gone, so you just kill them. Like, this this is something Prince Adam would never do, right? P- Prince Adam would just never do this. He mm-hmm. would try everything he could. How could we save Fisto and Clampchamp? And it's really, really lazy writing to me um, that you think to have a cartoon like an animated piece appeal to adults is that you have to insert sex and murder violence. Like it, I just think this is, this is the cheap way out. Um, 
Well, they were also uh, way, out of things. They were shortcuts, right? Like yeah, because shortcuts. they didn't have yeah. time to do what they should have yeah. done. But so I don't. I'm. But the, you know what? If you don't have the time to do it, then you need to restructure exactly part two, right? I mean, I I agree with you with the time, and and they'll pro and they could say that back to us, right? Well, yeah, we would have loved to have done and you know a twenty episode arc, but even things like. Netflix Shira handled the same thing. Adora can't transform into Shira, right? Her sword was broken. Okay. So instead of just not having the sword anymore, she did, you know, the sword was broken. When, when Adora found the power within and transform, she transformed into a better version of Shira, right? She didn't turn into like She Hulk. Uh, who's no offense to She-Hulk fans. I don't know what her characterization is in the comics, <laughs> but if it's anything like, you know, Oh, Hulk smash, you know, like she turned, she didn't turn into that. She turned into an even better version of She-Ra, which I think Leanne back on those reviews, you pointed out that I had missed how even different aspects of She-Ra's costume now hearkened back to her friends, Glimmer, Bo, and Catra. So right, all of that yeah. was integrated. It was like the power of love, you know, like the, like the song. Um, so that, that to me makes sense. That is in character for Adora. And that's also in character for the power of Grayskull. And that's why my second point is Savage He-Man also destroys the characterization to me of the power of Grayskull. And I always go back to this kid stuff book that I loved when I was a child. Um, and again, I'm only using this as ras rationalization because this was not a, a reboot or a revamp. This was billed as a, a spiritual continuation of the classic stuff. So whether that's filmation, mini comics, kid stuff, audiobooks <laughs> count. And in the Castle Grayskull one where they explain Castle Grayskull, and it does the whole thing, you know, Hall of Wisdom, Castle Grayskull, all of that. They they talk about how the Hall of Wisdom was the storehouse of all the knowledge in the universe. And then the elders compress themselves, all their strength, strength, and knowledge into that orb. Okay. And that was one thing I always thought was, was interesting was to me, the power was always knowledge. And maybe that's the growing up on PBS, um, educational <laughs> television, uh, that they don't really have anymore is for me, but like knowledge is power. So, the fact that when he gets the the raw knowledge and i and i did kind of like how they 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 did touch upon that like remember when skelly god was kind of like kind of entranced in like all of that information he was receiving like that was good to me like mm -hmm. that was on point but the fact that savage he-man occurs to me Given that the 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 power of Grayskull is truly all of say the strength and knowledge of the elders, I I just don't feel that 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 the power of Grayskull equals rage. So, um, and I stole that from a friend who said that to me. Like the power of Castle Grayskull is not rage, and I loved that sentence. And I was like, that is exactly how I feel about this Savage He-Man thing. I, I agree that people can obtain the power and misuse it. But I just don't think that would happen with Prince Adam. It would. It should have happened how it happened to Adora in Netflix Shira. And that's my long sentence. Someone else can go now. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to say totally agree with all of that. This was just 
if they were going if they wanted to shoehorn Savage Humed into this story, this was pretty much the only way they could have done that and have it be Savage He-Man. This is and and so they did, but it that's exactly what it is is shoehorning something in that didn't belong in this story that doesn't really make sense with what has come before and is purely there for for servicing a portion of the fan base and it it really detracts i think it's one of the biggest detractors from uh part two i think if it wasn't there it would be a much better story yeah i don't know about you john but when he killed the manticore and then had blood dripping from his hands and there's like the river running with blood and i think andrew even says like he ripped he basically turned the manticore inside out i was just like oh my god you just like stabbed a a knife into my childhood heart right now um because he-man would never do that no matter what it's just off the table in my mind for that character so yeah that part was very hard to watch and i hate it i still hate it i just know (laughs) just know this the phrase you use that type of thing is off the table I, that's what I agree with. Uh, He-Man is unique in the fact that he's kind of pure of heart, whether that's hokey or not, I don't care uh, because that is what, what we grew up with. And that is the, and I'm not, you can be a fan of the first couple mini comics, go to that and reread them, you know, weekly, if you wish, I don't care. That's awesome. But the, the, the bulk of masters of the universe and princess of power was, was crafted in the minds of children, not from the mini comics, but from the filmation television series, because that was the, the biggest media explosion for He-Man and She-Ra that probably there will ever be. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's why if you're going to bill it as something that's coming as a sequel to the eighties and not just like a standalone, like, like this might've worked if it was just billed as like, you know how like um, DC animation does a lot of, you know, standalone Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern animated movies. Mm-hmm. Like if this was just billed as maybe like a new He-Man animated movie revelation, my perspective or whatever. yeah like a mini yeah. series or something yeah. i might have gone in it with a different look i probably wouldn't have maybe i wouldn't have hated this savage he-man thing as much as i did because to me it's like you're taking what i know of he-man and and completely changing him and i, I don't like i don't like that even the even in the new adventures and the cgi show and really kind of even the live action movie he-man still stays in that kind of characterization bubble that i'm talking about yeah i don't think in any way that that is a hokey thing and i want to give a just very quick uh concrete example because i think this can still be done and is still done in modern storytelling where you've got the the hero who is the hero because they are that pure of heart type of thing so spoiler alert for another property if you don't want to hear it skip ahead two minutes or whatever but uh, you probably everyone knows this by now so in the harry potter story harry at the very end he faces off against voldemort the most evil wizard that has ever existed and who has killed countless people and done unspeakable evil things and he ends harry ends up 
defeating him by choosing in that final duel to use the defensive spell to disarm Voldemort rather than the killing curse that he could have used to end Voldemort for for good. And that ends up being what what finishes Voldemort off is his decision to do the right thing not the not the easy thing right to mm -hmm. uh, quote another harry potter character so this can be done is frequently done and could have just been just as easily been done here and uh so i i, I agree with you that this this is not the way they should have gone well let me take it back to teela real quick because i don't think i got to weigh in on her turning into the sorceress um I was at least happy that we finally got a show where she turns into the sorceress. Um, although, wait, does she do that in the CGI show too? She does, but I mean, it was way it was it was it's quicker. Different because but, she like transforms into the sorceress. Yeah. she needs to use her power or whatever. So. But, okay, uh, Katie, just to, just I want to clarify. I, I with with the Tila thing because I it's well known, right? I don't like Tila, but I am totally on board for seeing Tila become the sorceress. I just don't like the yeah. overall ex execution in this particular. Uh, oh no, series. I agree with you as far as execution goes. I was just I was interviewed on another podcast not that long ago before revelation two part two came out about rainbow bright but it was someone who was also a he-man fan so we talked about he-man and we talked about harry potter etc and one of the things i said in looking forward to part two is we have to see teela turn into the sorceress like i've been waiting since i was a child for that to happen i need to see it so i was at least happy that we got that finally even if it wasn't done exactly the way we would have done it ourselves if we had been the ones um, imagining this. But I also think, like y'all were saying, that it fits her characterization to buck the system a bit as far as when she turns into the sorceress being like, okay, just because all of y'all decided, you know, read in some book or it was passed down verbally, I don't know why y'all think you have to give up all of your ties to other people and stay in this castle to be the sorceress. But I'm not all about that. I've got a lot of people I really deeply care about and love, and I don't want to give them up. And I'm going to see if I can do it my way. And the power let her. So to me, it was just that none of the others had tried. Like they just, it was in their head, like, oh, this is just the way it's got to be. And so that's what they did. Whereas she was like, eh, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can push the limits a little bit and see what it'll let me do. And, and it did. So, I was okay with that. That didn't really bother me so much, um, but, it, but it was a little fast paced. I'll, I'll if admit. it wasn't as fast paced, right? That would have mm -hmm. made the payoff of the scene where Hevelin is like, "I can kick your ass because I can leave the castle." Right? There was yeah. that whole scene, and she floats up out into the sky, and then, like, obviously, like we knew, but I think, like, at that point, think of it this way. What if Tila had done some type of, you know, speech to like, you know, the pool of the elders, <laughs> you know, and then rises up as the sorceress, but maybe she doesn't know she can, she can leave the castle. Like they could have done some type of scene, you know, to make this a more powerful impact when she has to go and leave and fight evil in like it just mm -hmm. missed opportunities. Like you can see, I kind of like the idea, right? Maybe I can get on board with headstrong Tila getting her way every turn of life. But um, <laughs> maybe if it was just 
had a bit more time to sizzle with me. Yeah, I get that. And I totally agree with she gets everything she wants and has to sacrifice nothing like that doesn't feel right. She she still has not, in my opinion, given Adam his day. Adam sacrificed himself to save the entire universe. Mm -hmm. Tila didn't do that because she didn't have even the confines of being the sorceress. Um, So I just I just feel that Prince Adam was treated so poorly in this in this overall <laughs> i feel yeah. it, it's funny because everything you just said right like mm-hmm. this this is also kind of goes back to the these feeling like part one and part two were produced by completely different teams because if having watched part one it feels like they set up everything for all the things that we're talking about for Tila to have to sacrifice something in the end and become the sorcerers for Adam to get his due, whatever, like all of what was set up in part one, um, doesn't really pay get paid off in part two because they've got, (laughs) they don't have time to pay it off. So we're just going to rush through everything and cut corners and shortcuts and things. And I'm someone that actually enjoyed part two, but I still see these flaws in the the storytelling, um, aspect of it is particularly when you take steps back and you look at revelation as a whole from one to 10, those episodes, um, it, it's not a cohesive story. Um, and part one feels cohesive. Part two feels like now we have to throw everything at the wall. Um, it's very strange. Yeah. I I was going to say, you know, do you think, fan reaction would have been different if all 10 episodes had been released at once but would that have been even more jarring you know it's hard it's so hard to tell but i've seen way more positive reactions like i was surprised oh i I see more positive reactions to the second part yeah for part two so i actually think if they would have dropped all 10 and this goes to your point josh that you made earlier like would i have been it would have been different if I didn't have the CGI show in the middle, right? So right. if just all 10 dropped, it would be interesting to me to go back in time and, and see how my brain processed it, watching it as one entity um, all at once. I, I like, would it have shocked me as much? Like, or would I have still, cause here's another thing to think about. Think of the emotional high for lack of a better term of the anticipation of revelation, right? Because even even both trailers, the teaser and the regular trailer for part one were like so good. Um, and I think like it was just so like hyped for revelation that that also might've helped skew my view more positive if all 10 had dropped at the same time. I think I would have the similar complaints about characterization or lack of character development in the story but I might have been more accepting of it because as a fan, I had the a little bit of rose-colored glasses on because it was something new. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there is some good, you know, a lot of good in Revelation. We're, we're, we've been really focusing on, like, the problems with Part 2, right? But there are there are positives i still like a lot a lot of the acting was good even if a lot of the lines in part two were not (laughs) um as as strong as part one which is also really jarring it's another thing that kind of makes it feel like it's written by a different group because the dialogue 
in part one, particularly after episode one, right? Like episodes, episode one, it was very obviously deliberately written like a filmation episode with a lot of like those kind of funny little quips and things that the characters did. Mm -hmm. Then two through five, it's very much written like a, you know, true to life type dialogue for the most part in those, in the two through five episodes. And it feels very authentic um, to this is if these characters were not cartoon characters, if these were real people in a real world, you know, i.e. Eternia, this is probably how they would talk or close to how they would talk, even, you know, dropping, uh, you know, the occasional mild profanity and things like that. Right. Like it, it felt very, very authentic. And then in part two, it kind of goes back to a much more comic booky, quippy sort of thing for the vast majority of the dialogue. Even with that said, some of the some of the actors, not all, uh, did I th- I thought did reasonably well with what they had. I I still really like Mark Hamill's Skeletor. I know there was some debate about that in the in our group chat, but I think he overall did pretty well. Um, and um and the there's a line i mentioned this before we started podcasting there's a line uh that kind of works on on both levels where uh toward the end when he man transforms skeleton gives skeletor kind of the power temporarily to help save the universe and skeletor asks him why he did that and he says you know i wanted you to see what it feels like uh to use the power uh to save the universe and that line, while kind of cheesy and kind of comic booky, and it really, really feels like a filmation line. Like I can literally yeah. hear John <laughs> Irwin saying those words in my brain. Like I, it's it's completely uh, perfect. It also doesn't, you know, it's written in a way that it doesn't feel like it would have been wrong for any part of Revelation. Like it, it fits with He-Man's characterization. It fits, you know, the way it should have been. It fits with um, the the tone of a lot of Revelation from start to finish. Um, so like that one works, but there were a lot of lines that didn't in um, part two as, as well. But the, the acting I thought was still pretty good. The music was... Uh, you know, it was good. The animation, like you guys, I guess we're saying is good. I can't tell, but I'm taking your word for it. Um, so, and, and the story, I think the story itself, like if you boil it down to its components, right? Okay. Skeletor's got the power. Tila becomes the sorceress. Uh, Skeletor is obsessed with, uh, with, uh, killing He-Man. Evelyn decides that she's going to, uh, uh, betray Skeletor and she gets the power and kind of goes nuts <laughs> using it to do terrible things like all of that stuff, like it, it it's all fine like that's all could be a great masters of the universe story if it had been executed better like there's so i think there is a lot of good here and if you're i guess if you're if you if you can and want to take the time to retrofit it and rejigger it and try to rationalize the parts that don't work and pretend the bad things aren't there like savage human then there's a lot of good shining pieces of revelation on the whole. Um, it was just, it was just poorly executed in, I think the, 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 the pacing and the, the uh, cram, cramming too much in. And 
dude like really with they it's like every toy that mattel ever made for masters needed to appear in part two whether it really needed to be there or not like it, <laughs> that aspect of it felt so much like this is just an animated version of the mini comics <laughs> what it felt like here's point dread here's the talon fighter here's the whatever like just pick any toy basically that mattel ever made for masters and it was probably in part two somewhere well it, it's piggyback off that they did it really well like one place right and then they did it horribly four places later right so like example i thought the way they utilized ram man that worked for me yeah and i thought that like people like stratos buzz off should have had some type of brief even if brief like the ram man scene was brief but that had satisfactual payoff to me whereas just seeing you know the stratos buzz off um blade goat man pig boy especially blade that was pointless that he just jumps out of nowhere and is there for like five seconds like i it's the it's it's weird because as a fan i like it it services me but at the same time i'm like this is like not good fan service like i'm not going to say john why did you love revelation part two because blade appeared <laughs> for 10 <laughs> seconds like you know what i mean whereas i could say like like leanne coming from leanne's perspective if that Ram man, like if Stratos had a scene like Ram man did, wouldn't you feel more satisfied with his appearance? Yes. Yeah. And they did this right in, in some respects in part one, right? Like, so Preternia was the thing or the three towers, whatever you want to call that, whatever name you want to give that, you know, first animated appearance ever in part one, it was used well it was used to uh further the story it was used in a way that actually makes more sense than preternia did because like preternia like it's the eternia from ancient history is how it was originally built so it's preternia doesn't make any sense the people that live in the past did not call the world pre-earth like it doesn't it's <laughs> ridiculous right it's a silly name and but they changed it to this to be like the heaven dimension or whatever eternia is equivalent of that and called it you know preternia which makes sense if you parse the word differently it's like preternatural right like preternia like then it's like oh not only did you use this in a better way did you use it in a way that actually furthered the story and mattered to what we were doing but you i i think they improved the idea of what the three towers and preternia were supposed to be so it's like they did this right in, in places and especially with that in part one it didn't all need to be these little you know oh here's pig boy here's blade here's you know stratos and buzz off getting three seconds on screen just so that we can say they were there and we didn't need to see moss man die twice just come on <laughs> Poor moss or panther right no my head, I mean... my head canon is that preternia came back into existence when they defeated evil in or whatever that, well that's it would have been canon. yeah i mean it would have been nice if they showed that yes yeah you yes. know just i mean briefly. that's again that's something that was skipped over um and then what makes it worse is i actually in the in revelation i liked king grayskull in this and now i guess he's gone <laughs> because they <laughs> never did really show preternia coming back so it's like i don't know well, i love too, king they grayskull didn't even 
I was just going to say, that's why I thought, I actually thought Preternia did come back because of the, the scene with Evil Lynn. I thought she was on Preternia. Like, okay, she's dead so that Orko or Gandalf or Orko is, <laughs> um, is alive. Um, Orko the white. But yeah, but then Josh was like, she's on Trolla. And I'm like, huh? And he's like, oh, well, the audio description said that. So I'm like, oh, you know, I'm jumping back on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I turned on the audio description, which, by the way, there's another compliment for the show. The narrator of that audio description, I love after I listened to um, uh, to the episode or the portion of the episode that Josh uh, referenced. Um, so there's another uh, compliment to the show, <laughs> the audio <laughs> description narrator. Um, but anyway, they said she's on Trala. So I'm like, uh, now, uh, so like none of this makes sense. And again, don't give me the answer that this will be explained in season two because a you didn't even explain to the general audience that she's on Trolla because if we can't the, you know, if the hardcore fans <laughs> yeah. don't know she's on Trolla who's yeah. gonna know she's on? technically like, if you pay close attention because i did when i watched it again they do show the rainbows they're still not upside down whatever but if you but you have to look for it because they only show them very briefly and then they pan over and you're seeing like the but arches of something else. Would you agree that it was more, um, would you agree that it was, uh, what's I'm, I need a thesaurus or something. <laughs> like, <clears throat> was it, gosh, how do I phrase this? Lost over. No, no, no. Um, is it unreasonable for the general audience, given part one, to think that Preternia was reformed and that's where she was? Because, like, that was my impression, like, when I saw it. I could see that, yeah. I certainly didn't catch it the first time I watched it, that that was Trolla. I was just like, oh, she's somewhere else now. Okay. And I had to pay attention also during my second watch of the last episode that after she pulls Orko back down, and he's with the group. She's still there. Like Evil Lynn is still standing with the rest of them. She doesn't like disappear. So that's when I was like, oh, no, she didn't change places. She's just still alive. Okay, and so is he. Right, so how does she end up on Trolla? Like we don't know because they don't bother to flush anything right. out. Right, like, you see like a um, uh, a symbol, some kind of magical symbol underneath her feet. It's kind of like a transporter, uh, and then she just appears there on, and then that symbol goes away, and then yeah, and she looks different now. She's like dressing different. She has long hair. She looks younger almost, but might, that just might just be the way she's styled. Uh, just makes her look younger um but yeah and she yeah drops her staff and just kind of goes off to have a, a new life it seems like but it would have been nice to have that explored a little more or you know it, it if plays it plays right into the the power of grayskull is used so loosely in this in this series like like you you know you mentioned she doesn't disappear she's still heave in right at that point like when well, she's to me, powered down, isn't she? It, well, but at yeah, the one, she oh, she is powered down then. But my, I think the problem I had was it's it, so Adam says, let the power return, which is proper. And then like, you know, you power down or whatever. Why, when he had the power sword, then wasn't he powering down people? Like when Skelegod started to fight He-Man, right? Mm -hmm. He-Man 
transformed Skeletor back into Skelly God, just like he transforms Battle Cat into Cringer, right? Yeah. So when why didn't Adam then just say, let the power return, turn Skeletor back into Skeletor, then turn back into He-Man if you can't do it separately <laughs> and then and then kick his butt like it was it made no sense to me because when he throws Skelly God out into like you know the space and he ends up cra- I guess crashing near Snake Mountain he's back to Skeletor but he was mm-hmm. never powered down from Skelly God yeah so, so here is here, here's a couple I'm so confused at the l- the power I'll, I'll tell of you how, yeah. yeah i'll tell you how i read some of that um i don't know if it's right or not but this is this was my interpretation of a lot of that stuff and then i want to also circle back because i i wanted to ask you all a question about the troll thing but before we get to that my thinking on that was uh that so when he-man turns others into like cringer into battle cat or whatever it turns it gives them he's only giving them a fragment of the power so like because i think we could all agree right battle cat is not as powerful as he-man is right so skeletor may look like skeleton god but he doesn't have the level of power that he did when he was the primary wielder of the power right so that was how i was like it oh i see what you're saying like there's only ever one primary wielder and then if they give a fragment of it to somebody else and transform them that's fine but they're they are still supreme then can you explain this to me (laughs) how was well i guess what i don't understand then is how did i guess did skeletor or skelly god not make evil lynn a true quote-unquote true sorceress of Castle Grayskull because she didn't go into that pool to become, um, you know, her Victoria's Secrets version. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he didn't, he didn't know any of that, right? Yeah. So he was just so like, like, hey, we she, need a sorceress. How about so you? So he just powered her up. <laughs> then I'm trying to go with the sequence of events. So she was, so Heva Lynn is never like sorceress level. Okay, this is where I'm also confused because Evil Lynn uses the sword and turns into Evil Lynn. Okay, so she's not the sorceress, but when, but when Tila tur- turns into the sorceress, she now becomes literally the most powerful being in the universe, like more powerful than her champion. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I am so confused, and I get that's why Tila was able to. Remember when she says to Hevel Lynn, like, none of this is real anyway. I just created this vision for you mm-hmm. um, with, with Zor and, and the snake and all of that. Um, so I guess I'm just like so confused. And what are the rules? And maybe the answer the writer would say is, well, the, the power of Grayskull is endless power and knowledge. There are no rules. It makes its own rules. Um, yeah, I mean, remember, Tila uh, may have at that point been tapping into the the power of the castle. Because remember, like there was the in the sorceress, mm-hmm. pretty much in filmation and everything thereafter. Right, it has always been like a powerful sorceress uh, in her own right. Right, and mm-hmm. then when she needs extra power, she can draw on the elder's power or whatever. Right, but she doesn't usually have it. So at this moment, Tila is 
drawing on that power, but it's not something mm-hmm. she can do continuously. Or yeah, okay, that makes whatever. more sense to me. Yeah. Like that's at least that again, that's how I interpreted it. But none of this is actually made clear because that's they don't what have I was time say. to make it clear. <laughs> yeah, so. that's what, like the fact that you had to walk me through that, right? And your walkthrough, perfectly. Like I accept that, right? Right there, you sold me on that sequence of events. But what you used to sell me on is purely your speculation. I think it's valid and good right. speculation. But it that, that's the sole part that's missing from from this uh, section yes. of the yeah. uh, our, because they our because they cram too much of stuff that is meaningless and don't take the time on the important details of telling you a story. Like well, and don't you think it, there's ways to do things like fan servicing and the fact that we want to sell maybe a Savage He-Man toy or, you know, I'm not hating on the mini comic people. Maybe they're like, look, the mini comic people get, you know, kind of crapped on all the time because they're like, that's not He-Man. Filmation is He-Man. So we want to give the mini comic people a little love. I just think they would have had to approach it in a different way. Put Savage He-Man in Preternia and give him a cameo when, there you go. when Adam was there. Like he was a he man from the past done. Right. And you could have even mm-hmm. explained that, like, that's why they decided they needed a conduit, right? That's why they decided they there needed the sort of yep. power and sort of protection. Mm-hmm. Oh, now see that I'm all on board on. Look how, yes. look how excited I am. I'm like, yep. this is what happens when you, when you channel the power without that. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. See, oh, so, I like such it. a missed opportunity. It would have been, would have been great. Still would have had your toy. Everything would have been great. Oh so. my gosh. I am so bummed now. I'm like more bummed than I was previously because i think that's like a solid legit way of handling it they could have even had oh my god they could have had a whole scene where like you know how in the mini comics he's like you know the green goddess or whatever gives him the 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 shield and the harness and all like they could have had something like like a backstory that they explained to adam which again would have given adam more screen time in part one right because that was another complaint of well, yeah. they threw him to Preternia, and, and we never learned why he stayed Adam instead of He-Man and, and stuff like that. Oh, missed opportunities. Oh, yes, lot, there, there's a lot of those in this mm. because they just were trying to cram too much into too little time. I, I want to circle back to Trolla for a second because I have a question yes, sorry. for y'all. Okay, so two. Did I just say y'all? What happened to me? Yay! <laughs> I'm going to get I blame Katie. Okay, now we're... <laughs> Now we're moving on. Uh, okay, so uh, Trolla. So uh, two things. One, do we think that if they had dropped all 10 episodes at once, it might have made it easier to recognize uh, Trolla because it wouldn't have been both both uh, six, seven episodes and th- you know four months, five months ago, whatever it is. Uh, would that have made it easier to to if you'd watched them all together? Like, oh yeah, that's Trolla again. We just saw that in you know a few hours ago in episode three or four, three I think it was. Uh, and second of all, doesn't that then also kind of uh, bring us back to the why why aren't things upside down in this Trolla? Why aren't the rainbows upside down and so on and so forth? Because that would have made Trolla way more recognizable for that final scene. Right? Like <laughs> you would have seen the upside down rainbow and immediately been like, oh, Trolla. Like so I really think it's because they completely changed Orgo's backstory. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Because yeah. in this version, he was never a great wizard on Trolla. He was always laughed at and 
terrible and made fun of, et cetera. Um, so it wasn't due to the fact that he was on another planet and things were backwards on his planet than Eternia. So I guess that's why they just were like, okay, we're getting rid of all the backwards stuff because he was just a terrible wizard and his parents hated him. It's strange though, too, because it's not even just like that was, was canonized in filmation, right? Like, in the Mike Young show, when Orko, they show the flashback of Orko arriving on Eternia, the first words out of his mouth are, why is everything upside down here? Like, this is literally Ben Orko's, uh, you know, the, 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 the Trollin uh, canon forever always like it's never really deviated from them except maybe in the dc comics i don't know because we didn't finish those but well think about it that's why this goes back to and i know a fan worked you know a, a dedicated fan also was involved in this show but like when you have someone it like kevin smith didn't like orko right but the way to fix for lack of a better term a character is not to completely change the character like that because then he is no longer orko if you if the, if you don't like orko how can you enhance that character but still keep him the same the core yes but the then only... you end up with orc zero which is a travesty as far but, as but but, but listen like the only thing that felt authentic about that orko you know this new the new orco was the voice actor i thought you know oh, i thought so he good. he was fantastic uh, yeah. kudos uh and I, I i was able to meet him at PowerCon. he nice. is genuinely a a super nice person he spoke took time to speak with me i think he his voice is fantastic this is nothing against like the performance of orco right it's just like you said what the, they had to for kevin i'm just using kevin smith as a generalization like to improve this character, Kevin Smith had to go and completely change him. I don't feel that that you have the right to do that in a sequel to the original property mm -hmm. uh, just because you didn't like Orko, right? You could you could enhance Orko and make him better, but you have to keep him at his core, and that is exactly the, still the same problem I have with uh, what they did to Prince Adam. Like you're correct, they kept proper characterization of Tila. She's hot-headed you know strong-willed opinionated right mm -hmm. like that fits with tila but the just the other decisions they made with some of this stuff it's like i don't care if you kevin smith don't like orko <laughs> many of us like him and i always loved the fact one of my favorite episodes of the filmation show is when um you know prince adam's on trala and he can't figure out how to transform and mm -hmm. then he figures it out and he says you know grayskull of power thee by and i used to recite that as a kid like yes. it's it's little things like that it okay uh, you get the Ca point counterpoint yeah counterpoint. go do it Rock so Bella. i i you none i don't i don't fundamentally disagree with anything that you just said however but... I, think, <laughs> I, I think that maybe what uh maybe there's a um i may i think maybe the circumstances that led us to this point are different than what you're imagining because what it feels more like to me is not uh that they were trying to change orco's backstory to um uh, to make it 
to to make it you know Kevin Smith or whoever like or go better. I actually I I that to me that's not what it feels like. What it feels like was Orko was being looked at from the people working on this show as such a you know it's it's the the argument that some certain uh pieces of the fan base will say right you know orko is just a it's just snarf and slimer and every 80s kids cartoon had to have the cutesy little kid type character which i don't think orko actually fits very well into that mold but i understand that that was a role he was the comic relief role in Mm -hmm. the original cartoon right but he did have this whole big backstory and everything else it feels like to me that when they approached this show it wasn't let's change orko's backstory it's we don't like orko we're not even going to bother to see if he ever had a backstory we're going to give him one to flesh out this part this subplot that we're doing with orko in these you know three or four episodes that he appears in and and they didn't you know they they either didn't check or used it you know did did what they wanted to do and then found out later and couldn't be bothered to make it match with the old um canon like that's what it feels more like to me not that it was a conscious mm-hmm. choice to change it just that they cared so little about orco that they were like eh, we're not going to get it right and everyone must feel the way we do right so well, can no i take one's gonna one care. step further and ask you a question because you didn't i know from our uh previous chat you didn't have as much of a problem with this as i did so let's just say for argument's sake like they didn't like orco they didn't um they didn't even care to really research his backstory okay or they didn't feel it was that important to leave you know trala upside down that kind of stuff then why did they just basically rip off gandalf from lord of the rings which preface i i didn't know the lot that in part one when Orko says whatever it is, like back Why to the shadows things? and stuff, like I didn't know those were Gandalf lines because I had never seen Lord of the Rings, the first movie. Um, and I know it's a book. I get it. I get it's a book, but it's no. Long. Just watch the movies. The books yeah. are terrible, yeah. so, in my opinion. <laughs> recently, recently, I watched the three Hobbit movies and the three Lord of the Rings movies, including the four-hour cut of Return of the King. Okay, so I watched everything. (laughs) And I was just completely disgusted at the at the I don't call what they did with Orko an homage to Gandalf or Lord of the Rings. I call it lazy ripoff writing because he says exact quotes from Gandalf, you know, and he does the exact same thing. You know, Scareglow is basically what the Belrog or whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. Orko the Red <laughs> dies, for lack of a better term, and comes back, you know, just like Gandalf comes back as Gandalf the White, he comes back at an opportune moment as, you know, Orko, and he has white robes on, and apparently now he's the Oracle or whatever, and you know, I never liked that portion of the Mike Young show. But mm-hmm. if you're if you have a problem with Orko and you're gonna go to the great lengths of actually changing his established and well established like you said, Josh, unlike a Snarf or Slimer character, right? A well-established funny character, comic relief character. Why are then we just ripping off Lord of the Rings and instead not just giving him something unique? 
So here's my here's my two uh, parts to this. So one, if I had been the one writing uh, the revelation story, I absolutely would not have done this. <laughs> so I I understand where you're coming from. Like I'm not like, yeah, they did Gandalf with Orko. I am not in that camp. It doesn't really bother me because because of as I mentioned to you in the chat, if this had been literally uh doing this with any other character from anything else than lord of the rings lord of the rings is the foundation of all modern fantasy it's like literally what established modern fantasy so they're going back to the you know the beginning of this um concept i got that when you said that but Okay, so, my, my, so wait real well, quick though. Let me just okay. give you a, a different uh, example that I didn't have a problem with. When I watched the the Hobbit through the Lord of the Rings, I also said, "Oh my gosh, did Harry Potter get a lot of ideas from Lord of the Rings?" Oh, totally. But I didn't feel the way she did it in Harry Potter was a direct ripoff like it felt like an homage or like a inspiration inspiration from the same type of idea whereas this was just like oh let's do like the gandalf story arc <laughs> for yeah for um uh orko and it might even be josh that he uses the same phrases <laughs> Yeah, you know, I like know, like if, if Harry Potter, like instead of instead of he was like expecto patronum, right? He's like back to the shadows with you, Voldemort, or something. I don't know. Then I would be like, oh my god, come on, that's Gandalf's line. Okay, so then yeah. l- let me pose a question uh, yes. because I think it falls in in the same category. And again, want to just emphasize. I, if I had been writing or consulted, I would have not <laughs> gone the Gandalf route with work. Right. I mean, you're just not, giving me the counter. The you're that you're trying to illustrate to me why uh, or it doesn't wh- bother me. Basically. Why it doesn't bother you, and why other probably authors or you know creative individuals may do similar things. Right, and so here is a another v- very similar thing from masters specifically from the beginning right oh no don't destroy my childhood child. i know right? <laughs> but but here's, here's another thing uh adam becomes he-man using the sword of power the sword of power phrase was in many of the uh in many earlier uh, versions of the King Arthur legend was what they called the Excalibur. It also was sometimes called the Sword of War um, and whatever. And it was another magical sword that was wielded uh, to to give the um, the wielder power in battle and so on and so forth. So they absolutely drew that from the King Arthur legends when they were first putting together masters so i mean you could you could make the same argument that that too is kind of a ripoff right but they were going they're going back to a foundational thing right if somebody pulled out uh you know a wand and in masters and said this wand has a phoenix feather in it i'd be like okay that was a bridge too far because harry potter as much as as i love the property is not a 
fantasy, you know, foundational fantasy property, at least not at this point. It's too young, right? It's yeah. too new. Like maybe in a hundred or two hundred years, they could say, okay, all the fantasies come after that. Harry Potter was a foundational thing. And now you can pull off a uh, a reference like that, right? We're we're 80 years on from Lord of the Rings, where 1500 years on since you know the earliest legends of king arthur so we can pull from these very very early things and do more direct references and and things to them and to me that's okay because these are things that are well established foundations um well so i'm just saying what you said though for me it's, no, it, and I, I see your point. For, for me, though, what you described with King Arthur and He-Man is what I described of Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. For me, the difference would be is, let's say, if, he, if Prince Adam had to go to, into Castle Greyskull and there's a sword, a power sword, in a, the stone or something similar, and, like, you know, he reads the stone and it says you know who pulleth out this sword in this whatever you remember what was there's something you know is the is the is the right uh, that's wielder off, of the power like that's ripping it, off to, disney not the king arthur legends because in the original king arthur legends arthur doesn't get the sword from stone so oh, but you know what i'm but i, I have to use what i my knowledge lake, right? of it but it's my knowledge of Sword in the Stone. I'm talking about like the book, The Sword in the Stone. Okay. okay. So like to me, I would say He-Man is a direct ripoff of the book, The Sword in the Stone. Okay. Right. okay. If it used like almost that exact similar kind of like setup and verbiage. But the fact that they both have a power sword is just more like um, it, in like Harry Potter, how those... Um, uh, I don't remember because I don't commit things to memory, but like Death Eaters or something are kind yes. of like in Lord of the Rings, the like those minions mm -hmm. of Sauron uh, or whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean? People with dark cloaks and blah, blah, blah. Like they look similar. They got a similar shtick, but um, uh, they're they're kind of just like an homage back to. Oh, I think you're Lord thinking of the, of the Dementors. Dementors, like yes, the yes. Dementors, yeah. yeah. Dementors, so, yes. so like that to me is okay. Whereas the Gandalf thing with Orko just went too far. And I guess my, my, that my problem with it was more so they wanted to make Orko a better character, but instead they just ripped off Gandalf. And, and so, it might just be because I had that knowledge of what Kevin Smith had said in interviews about Orko. Right. Um, that I am more harshly judging this. Like if, if, if Tila, okay as the sorceress had defeated evil Lynn and said something like back to the shadows or whatever Gandalf's <laughs> line is, I might've been okay with that because that was just like, Oh, that's an homage to Lord of the Rings. Like the whole Gandalf thing. Um, but, but, but Tila herself, I wouldn't have seen as like a, a, a Gandalf carbon copy. Yeah. So here's, here's a question then uh, for you, because I think, I think this whole, back and forth with you and I on this Gandalf thing. I think this, uh, maybe we could sum it up as 
doing this kind of thing, there's a fine line where you can take it. You've crossed that line. You do. You've done too much. And I think every. I think very different people are going to have different views on where exactly that line falls. For me, what they did here is just barely not crossing that line. And for you, mm -hmm. it's definitely crossing that line. I, I see I, what you're saying. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, because mm -hmm. I'm not. I I don't really dispute anything that you're saying per se i just to me be, given given that all of the bits and pieces like to me this ju falls just short of going too far um like i said i would not have done this <laughs> at all <laughs> but uh but for you it definitely was on the other side of that line which i think those can both be valid perspectives it's just we're we personally have different places where that line uh, is and where it's crossed. And okay, so illegal. here's a question. Do we think a line was crossed when Queen Marlena was quoting lines from Clueless? Yes! <laughs> yes. yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and oh and Leanne and others, this is coming from I would probably put Clueless in my top 10 movies of all time. I vividly even remember going premiere weekend to see that movie. And like, I love Clueless. Like that is like pure, like that is the nineties, right? Or like. Next uh, time you see my sister, you need to talk to her because it's also one of her all time favorites. Uh, see, I knew I liked your sister for, for a reason. Um, <laughs> but um, it was just, I get why they did it. I'm a little bit more forgiving of something like that, but I thought it was out of place. Like even she says, doesn't she say something in one of the episodes? And I apologize again because I did not watch it again. But she says something like, you know, I don't know, like talent fighter, my butt. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Long story, yeah. my butt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hated it, cringed yeah. so hard. Yeah, and then, and then she said, "As if." Ugh. And then also there was that random line during the battle at the end, where Randor says something about he's talking to the demons he's fighting, and he says something about kissing the ring. Yes. <laughs> he says it in like a Spanish accent. <laughs> I do not understand that at all. It's probably <laughs> another reference to something that we're just not getting. Yeah, that's what guess. I thought too. Yeah. But um, it's just so jarring, you know? Maybe something yeah. that that actor was in, like <laughs> Clueless was for Alicia Silverstone. Maybe, Maybe. some other thing where he does that. And so if you know, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, I don't understand. So the, here's the the other thing with the, the other problem with the um, Alicia Silverstone quoting Clueless thing is Queen Marlena, again, no matter what, uh what canon what version of the mythos you're you're looking at she has always been portrayed i guess this gets back to your characterization thing john she has always been portrayed as sort of like the ultimate consummate like mother figure right like yes. she's, she's very very um you know very very much portrayed that way and having her quote lines as a you know teenager from you know circa 1994 or whatever <laughs> feels so weird for the character it's like yeah. it doesn't even ring true you're just like what what am i listening to here this is very odd um, marlena so, has what martin four maybe three lines in and the new adventures of, of he-man no 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 in, in new adventures i'm saying in new adventures yeah, and, more and and her characterization in that scene <laughs> is miles, miles ahead 
of her in Revelation Part 2. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't remember the scene in The New Adventures of Human episode, A New Beginning, in which <laughs> he, Adam tells his parents he's leaving for Primus, and King Randor stands up and goes, Primus, my ass! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should be executed! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will still say that no, I haven't seen that scene topped. The new adventures reveal, you know, revealing to his parents mm -hmm. that he's He-Man. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but Revelation didn't do it right. Can I, can I, I don't know if I said this on the last episode or not. If I did, uh, forgive me, but I, I want to say it here that I am just so over undoing Adam's secret like everything since filmation has been trying to undo that piece of the mythos mm -hmm. new adventures had the reveal the uh i guess it, maybe with the exception of uh, mike young because i don't think they ever did that but um you know new adventures had that that reveal the dc the big dc comics of the, of the last decade did that from the get-go uh, same thing with the um, S Pop Sh Shiro and Adora and undoing you know any her having any sort mm -hmm. of secret identity. This one comes around. They do the same thing. The CG show that just came out, same thing. I don't understand. Like I get it if you want certain some versions to do that, but it's getting old now. Like. I would not at all mind if they want to go back and and tell us a, a master story where Adam has to keep the secret. It makes sense because he's trying to keep people around him safe. Yada yada yada. Let it alone for for once. Like we don't need to undo it ten different ways over thirty years. Like I'm I'm over I'm over the undoing of the secret thing. Like way over it. Yeah, I get that complaint. I understand it. I prefer the secret identity just because I want the transformation sequence. Um, yes. But I think it's what's important about it is, you know, uh, you know, Adam is his true self, not He-Man. It's not like, you know how like they say Bruce Wayne is like a facade and like Bruce Wayne is really Batman. Like that's how he kind of it, like his mind, his mood, his thought process, like the true self is Batman and Bruce Wayne is like, the show he puts on, but mm -hmm. I think it's reversible face, right? Exactly. But like, you know, the episode of, um, Shira original Shira, um, stone in the sword, when Adora has to go through all those tasks because the sword, you know, is broken. Oh, and mm -hmm. look at that again. Hmm. Couldn't transform with a broken sword. <laughs> I hate when they change things in sequels. Um, but okay. So, she can't transform, but they, they did that whole episode. The whole point of that episode was to tell, you know, children, if you will, right? Ad all of the qualities of She-Ra are within Adora. You know, the mm -hmm. the sword maybe brings them out and allows her to to express enhances them or whatever. Them. It enhances yeah. them, yeah. But you know, her true self is 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 Adora. And I just I don't know. I really hmm. I don't know where I was going with that. I forget what we were talking about before. <laughs> One thing that I really enjoyed about this show, um, like off the back of that point that you've just made, mm -hmm. um, when they had the big Skeletor and Adam versus Evil in battle at the end, was that 
Adam is still a good fighter. Like he's still got the skills. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have the strength and the power. So he was still like a threat to Evelyn, but he was having to like jump around a bit more. And Skeletor was sending him through portals and stuff to sort yeah. of compensate for the fact that he wasn't as strong. I thought they did right, that really right. well. I did like that, and I like that team up. And I did like how Skeletor immediately turns on He-Man. When it's the yeah. proper time. I did like that too. That was very in character. Yes. I my favorite like moment I think of the entire series, um, of part two, was when Skeletor and Adam turn up at Grey Skull and he's got Panthor with him and he's like, Look, Evelyn, it's Panthor <laughs> And she's like, I'm more of a dog person and then Skeletor turns to Adam and he's like, Told you <laughs> like at some point they had a conversation where Adam was like, You should bring Panthor <laughs> and Skeletor was like, Well that's not gonna work, you idiot <laughs> See, there are bright moments, even in the darkest days. Uh, yeah, I love that. I mean, I hated that Panthor died, but when he was killed, Skeletor was like, I'll kill you for that. <laughs> I was just like, yes. Yeah, like, I think we could all over. feel his pain then. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was a very affecting death, I think, in a, a show that, like killed off the sorceress one of the principal characters i like mm-hmm. didn't really care <laughs> um, i was like oh yeah i guess we've got to do that like i wasn't like i don't really care about fisto either um clamp champ i was like oh it's a shame because he didn't do anything but when they yeah. killed panther i was like no <laughs> like i was genuinely aggrieved to have lost panther <laughs> yes i hope that if there is a season two of Revelation, I hope that they learn lessons from producing season one and and maybe the fact that they did cram such a just re- absurd amount of stuff into particularly the second half. Maybe that means that they'll, they'll be a little bit more free to uh, work on the story aspect of season two and not make it so much a we've got to get in all the stuff that we never saw in the filmation show in and we have to cram it all into these five episodes or whatever i'm hoping that maybe they will have learned something in the creation of season one and if there's a season two be able to uh to give us a more satisfying story and and uh, you know, I know, John, you keep saying, I don't want to hear, you know, well, wait for season two and this will be explained. That will be explained. I, I agree with you. There, all that stuff should have been dealt with much better in season one, but they weren't. So maybe right. no, they I will now deal with them in season two and make us feel a little uh, better in the end. Well, one last topic then that we should touch on is the actual end of part two, which does set up a potential season two. Um, this was a part that I actually liked <laughs> and it's not just because I love the horde, but it is because I love the horde. Um, but I actually, I, they actually got me like, ha I didn't even think to connect the motherboard thing, which was the technology, right? Staring me mm-hmm. right in the face that that would be a horde thing. 
Like, I don't know if I just wasn't, it just, you know, cause I, I it was just weird in part one. Um, yeah. and then it wasn't mentioned in part two at all until this end scene. So I totally forgot about the motherboard stuff, but the fact that the motherboard, whatever that is, um, is, is a horde technology. Um, that was exciting. And I thought that was actual creative writing, um, that Hordak would have had something sent or hiding on Eternia for like the proper moment. Like maybe it's sensed that the magic was leaving the planet or something. And he knew he could get back at Skeletor now or something. I don't know. But, um, uh, my caveat as always though is, and I, I think many of you share this is that masters of the universe to me is not two separate properties, masters of the universe and princess of power. And I, particularly um already had a cartoon series mike young that had the horde without she-ra um and i got a cartoon series that had the horde without he-man which was netflix she-ra so we've already covered those bases uh and if this is truly a sequel to you know the classic line that includes she-ra and i personally just saying it I don't want a season two um, if it's not going to include uh, the Shira aspects that would go along with uh, the Horde. But I am I am excited for for the Horde as long as they are written well and character developed. All right, two things. One, uh, as far as the uh, I wanted uh, the motherboard thing and not connecting that to the Horde. I I know I I actually thought a ton about this after we finished Revelation, and I I didn't connect any of that together uh, either. And I think. For me, and uh, you may maybe you can say if you think this might be for you as well. I think the reason uh, that 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 was such a great reveal and didn't didn't put the pieces to, I didn't put the pieces together initially is a result of the fact that we are such uh, dedicated longtime fans and the Mike Young show so firmly established Triclops as the inventor tech wizard mm. villain that we just were like, oh, that perfectly fits in with how Triclops was revealed, was uh, portrayed in Mike Young. And so you, the horde never even, in, your brain never goes any further than that because uh, at least that's what happened for me, right? Like my brain never went any further than, oh, well that just fits in with what how Triclops, because Triclops didn't have much of a, of, a, of a characterization at all in the filmation season. He was just sort of a character that popped up every once in a while had you know one line and then was defeated and you didn't see him again for another 20 episodes so he was very underused in the filmation series and so i'm i'm i don't know if that was for everybody for me i think that's i think that was why that never even entered in and if that was deliberately done that way kudos to them because it totally worked yeah i like i i'll accept that that's totally valid Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as the Shira thing, 100% agree. Like, don't do the Horde without Shira if you're going to do season two. But I do want to, uh, I do want to pick a bone with you for a minute <laughs> because <laughs> I don't agree that we got a Horde show without He-Man. S-Pop does not really have the Horde. It has Hordak and uh, it well, has Shadow okay. Weaver and that is it. We do not see any not really i mean i know grizzlers and like in the background or something but for the most part we don't really get 
the horde in S-Pop. It's one of my biggest complaints about the show, actually, is that I wanted the rest of the horde there. So I we haven't really we haven't really truly seen the horde since the 80s Shira cartoon. Yeah, like, that's true. Because even Mike Young have, didn't have an, an, a lot. Yeah, know, no, it, it had almost nothing more. And then most of it was just like appear on screen for 10 seconds, right? Like, I mean, yeah. we see like Mantan and stuff, but like it's very, very, very short lived. And I don't think hardly any of them had dialogue, right? Like, right. No, mostly, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and so, then remember they shifted the focus to the snake men. So, which was right. fine because we never saw them animated. Well, you know, King Hiss and stuff. So, yeah. And that was fine. But I'm just saying, like, we haven't gotten the horde in a long time. I do want them to bring the horde in into season two. That would be fantastic, but not without Shira. So, I, I, for one, hope that they use Skeletor being um, infected with the motherboard virus to give him some sort of New Adventures-esque look in the next season. That it would fit cool. perfectly. Perfect opportunity to do it, yeah. Um, they won't do, though, because they don't like me. <laughs> okay, somebody somebody, correct me if I'm wrong, refresh my memory. Wasn't that part of the the classic Spios? Wasn't that how New Adventures... Yes. Sk- yeah, it was, right? Like so, And they've, they've definitely drawing a lot from classics these days in all of the things that they're doing, whether it's the CG show or this one. So um, that wouldn't surprise me at all if they go that route. I'm, you never I'm know. not thrilled, but I'll, I don't like the cyborg type thing for Skeletor. It's much better for Hordak, and I think it diminishes Hordak if they give Skeletor the cyborg thing because it's like it 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 brings them to makes them too similar, right? Like Skeletor is the consummate evil wizard, and Hordak is the the you know the cyborg tech guy. And if you're going to infect Skeletor, and make him a cyborg, it's like well now he's just sort of a Hordak knockoff, and I don't really like that. I like the more differentiation between them, but I think that is where they're going. So I think you're going to get your wish. Maybe He Man will heal him somehow. <laughs> or this or Shira will. Shira's the one with the healing powers, right? Maybe Shira oh, that's will true. Skeletor back. Right. And remember while he's holding shots. relay. <laughs> while he's holding relay in the snow, <laughs> Shira will come up and say, Here, uh, back to the way you were, because uh, we don't like you as a cyborg. <laughs> they did that very thing in the uh, in the DC comics. That was um when Skeletor got his jaw like broken off in the first story arc later on he finds She-Ra and he's like hey would you be able to heal me and she does Um, they have like a complicated backstory in the DC comics where he was like her father figure in some flashbacks interesting she was very young Hmm. it's so sweet it is I'll have to read them I have them I just haven't read them I'm just, I don't read comics, so don't make another season of something where I'm not going to understand it unless I've read the comic, okay? <laughs> yeah, Thank you. I know the audience, like, you know, uh, where I can see comic books fitting in with the audience, you know, of, of He-Man and She-Ra, um, but I would have preferred, like, you know, a novel to read. It would be easier. If anybody would like to hire me, I am available <laughs> to write a Masters of the Universe novel uh, on any version of the property i am uh, happy to do that so and it would be epic yes lioncourt.com is <laughs> my contact info is there get in touch so you'll even do the novelization of the cgi show 
if they offered it to me, I couldn't turn it down. <laughs> and I, but they're like, I, but, but the only like, thing is, you have to write it specifically about Duncan. <laughs> oh my god, that would be tough. But I feel like I feel like I might be able to work within the confines of what they want and and enhance what's there and the things that I did like about it and play down the parts that I didn't. So like, I feel like I could do that. But I feel like I could do that with with revelation or anything right i'm a master's fan right like there is there is there are gems in every version even the ones that i don't like right like there are things there are things in new adventures that i like i like optic for example <laughs> like i like that that weird optic uh you know as a as a figure and a character it's like that kind of was cool right like so you can find the goat in all the the different versions of it and play it play up for me if i was going to do something like that like play up the positive aspects play down the the less so and you know i'd make but i think that's why it's important for anyone and even people that are listening if you didn't agree with our opinion that's totally cool like i said i've seen a lot of love for part two online like on facebook and things like that from from fans um which is awesome like i've never i don't ever want to get into that dark place where it's like you know this isn't my he-man so i'm going to go on a hate rampage you know and you know anyone that likes it is stupid uh no like if you liked it and that was your thing that's totally cool i'm glad you did you dug it um like i said i'm happy for the creative team that we even are getting you know he-man things cgi show this comics that we know they are at least trying to keep the he-man and masters universe name out there uh whether i whether i in like it or not and so you don't have to enjoy anything i go you know i think i've talked about on the podcast before my love hate relationship with like con- the continuous development of batman movies where i'm like could someone <laughs> please make a batman movie that i enjoy fans <laughs> fans tend to forget that you know with each new thing that comes out right like this is not the last masters thing that will ever exist right like just like new adventures wasn't the last masters thing that ever existed and mike young wasn't the last one that ever existed like you're you're not going to like everything um because that's just they've all got you know or the last star wars movie there there is no such thing anymore they're going to make star wars movies for the next 200 years like that's just the way that it is now because disney owns them and disney has all the money so they'll continue making them and they're going to be popular and some of them you will like and some of them you won't i really love the force awakens for example and really don't like the the prequels right like it's Mm -hmm. fine like you'll like some don't like the others ignore the things you don't like and uh and that's fine this is not if you didn't like revelation this is not the final thing and if you did great you've got another uh part of the canon to add to the pile of the stuff you do and you know you don't have to love or hate anything exactly well said well said i agree yeah and it's it's only one part of revelation we potentially have a whole other season two coming which could be like and it's Amazing. only half of one part, right? Because I think I think we yes. all liked part one better than part two. Part one mm-hmm. was pretty well done overall, mm-hmm. um, yeah. even if it wasn't what we expected it to be when we watched it, right? Like, it was still pretty, uh, you know, competent story. Fit in better with the with our foreknowledge going in and that sort of. It it, it actually, I think, uh, stands up better as a part of the Masters universe. 
Masters of the Universe universe uh, than uh, part two is. So, like, it may be that, like, okay, second half of season one was not great, but maybe they'll redeem themselves in season two. So, right. Well, I think we have discussed that long enough. And now I can just put it back in the drawer and we can revisit it at another time. <laughs> or never. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. And hey, what, what's great about being a Masters Universe fan? I'm still going to check out season two. Like, like oh, yeah. part, part two does not distract. Like, like, again, I hate people that I don't hate. Sorry. I dislike. I dislike people who kind of make this like they draw that line in the sand where it's like, well, part two was horrible or, you know, part one was horrible. So I'm not going to watch part two or part two was horrible. So if they do, I don't want them to do another season. Right. Mm-hmm. It just might be that, hey, maybe part two is like really popular. They got the views on Netflix. They're going to do a season two. I mean, I don't blame them. What they they shouldn't do part two or season two because John was upset. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, you know, or same thing on. with me in the CG show. It's like, I'll, yeah. I'll watch season two. I'm not particularly looking forward to it. I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to revisit the uh, first season, um, but it, uh, you know, but I'm, I'll still watch season two. Like, it's fine. Right. So that's why I, I think it's always important. Give the thing a, a chance yourself and make your own decision. Like just because I liked it or didn't like it, that should really have no bearing on your enjoyment or disenjoyment of Masters of the Universe Revelation. And that yeah. goes the same for part one. Like with all that, you know, viciousness that happened during part one, um, I still wonder if to, to today, if I let that kind of hinder my enjoyment of part one a little bit, and that maybe I would have actually enjoyed part one more had I not had all that weird outside influence. I have no I, idea. So I'm 100% there with you because I just unfollowed a bunch of people on Twitter because mm. they were shredding part one and I really enjoyed it. And they, they were, you know, making it hard for me to enjoy part the, the part one that I I did enjoy very much uh, because that was just the constant bashing of it. Um, so don't ruin, regardless of your feelings on any of these things, whether it's the CG show or Revelation or the DC Comics or whatever, you can state your piece whether you liked it or didn't, but you don't, don't continually bash it and ruin it for the people that do enjoy it because that, all that does is a disservice to the property as a whole and the people that love that property no i agree it it is it's it's that it's that social social media you know atmosphere that we have today like you know we talked amongst ourselves but i wasn't going on twitter and like tweeting at people and being like how dare you say you liked savage he-man like you know you're not a fan no you're a fan you liked it maybe you're okay with that characterization of Adam, I just happen to not be. That's totally cool. Like you said, you know, if I was the showrunner, that would have never happened, but I wasn't the showrunner, right? That, you know, Kevin Smith yeah. was, and, and he liked that idea. So for whatever reason, they ran with it and, and people did like it. I mean, people want that Savage He-Man figure. So what can you do? You can just wait and see if there's a part two and maybe you'll like it more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, went full Yogi Bear there for a minute. That was really strange. (laughs) Oh, and I never liked, I don't like any of those Hanna-Barbera cartoons. I don't either. No, thank you. Yeah, not a fan. Well, with that, 
Thank you for downloading as always. I'm John Callis, also known as a shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I'm John Callis, also known as the Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratosmacker. I'm just a Lion Court, also known as Lion Court and not the Shadow. <laughs> the Shadow knows. Uh, good good journey. I'm actually surprised they did not use the phrase good journey in Revelation. Out of all the other references they were yeah, making. Yeah, that would have been an right. easy reference to make. Oh, that would have been cool. But they put Pig Boy in there. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs>